Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. Um, we are just going to get right to our exciting guest. We're not even going to start with any of our usual cheekiness. <laughs> and I'm not going to yell at you for putting the theme song to Alice in my head today from that TikTok. We should do a whole show on that, but for another day. All right, we will, because we want to get right to our special guest, total rock star, so kind of her to take time out of her immensely busy schedule. Um, Author Miranda Devine is with us, and we're so thrilled to have you today, Miranda. Thank you so much for us, for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Julian Liz. It's a real pleasure. I love that accent. I know. It, it, it sounds, I think we would sound smarter if we had an accent, Julie. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> but we don't. So I want to ask you the first question about your book, which is called The Laptop from Hell, about obviously Hunter Biden's laptop from hell. Um, and I want to ask you before this story broke, right? Like go back to October um, 2020, uh, getting cl- kind of close to the election. The New York Post is got this story. Um, obviously, when you have a story like this, it goes through a lot of levels of scrutiny, lawyers, um, you know, review, all kinds of stuff. Um, and then the story about the laptop breaks and there's this wholesale like blanket, like kill order put out somehow um, mm. that the New York Post cannot tweet out the story I know I felt like I watched it in real time when the story came out and then all of a sudden it just disappeared like you could not share this story so do you think that the story took the Biden campaign by surprise I mean did they know this was coming do you think that this was actually coordinated to to suppress this story because really the actual censorship became a story of its own right, of the big blockbuster story. So what what do you, do you know anything or what, what what's your opinion on that? Well, look, I mean, my opinion just from what I observed was that there was a coordinated uh, operation to shut down the story and ensure that as few people as possible got to read it and got to know about it. Uh, and they were successful in that because there were polls after the election that showed that 10% of Biden voters, if they had known about it, would have changed their uh, vote. And uh, and about half of Biden voters had no idea about the scandal. So it was immediate. You know, within a few hours of our story going up online, which we held back until 5 a.m. on October 14, instead of putting it up like we usually do the night before, within hours, uh, Facebook and Twitter had throttled the story uh, Twitter had locked our account, which they kept locked for two weeks. Uh, and even people who tried to share the story on Twitter were um, were suspended. Kayleigh McEnany, President Trump's press secretary at the time, was one of them. Uh, so that was the first stage of the um, kind of attempt to discredit the story and censor it. Um, at the same time, because social media had... Um, blocked the story and censored it and claimed, you know, Facebook said it was, um, we viol- no, Twitter said we violated their hacked material policy. 
Uh, Facebook said, you know, they had to do fact-checking because it looked dubious. They've never done that fact-checking. Um, and so that gave, that was sort of a fig leaf for the rest of the media, like the New York Times and the Washington Post and CNN and so on, to ignore the story. And we know that CNN, um, uh, the day after, or the day our story broke, um, that Jeff Zucker was instructing his executives uh, in a news conference to ignore the story that this was all debunked information, that we've seen it all, uh, pay no attention to it. And and they didn't. And we know that because Project Veritas got a recording, a bootleg recording of that news conference. So this was going on. But it wouldn't have been enough to really stop what was a huge bombshell story. But the killer blow came five days after our story when 51 former top intelligence officials uh, wrote this absolutely scurrilous letter claiming that the laptop uh, and therefore our reporting were Russian disinformation or had all the earmarks. They had various, you know, weasel words in there. But that was the top line. That was the the message that came out of that. Um, They had not seen the laptop. Um, They had not even asked to see the hard drive. Um, they knew nothing, but they had just, in their expert opinion, deemed it to be Russian disinformation, therefore uh, not to report it. And uh, they really um, intervened in the election by doing that. And these were people like John Brennan, the former CIA chief, James Clapper, uh, Leon Panetta, Michael Hayden, uh, people who had um, extremely uh, important jobs in the intelligence community um, and who betrayed uh, that that high office that they held. They used that high office, um, the authority of their former post, to uh, write a politically partisan letter to help one of the two candidates uh, running for president to get out of a jam because Joe Biden was in a big jam. Uh, this first story that we ran... Um, was uh, an email from the laptop showing that um, it, from from a, an executive from Burisma, the corrupt energy company in Ukraine that was paying Hunter Biden $1 million a year to sit on the board, what this executive uh, was thanking Hunter in this email for uh, meeting, introducing him or allowing him to meet his father in Washington, D.C. the previous night um, or two nights before it may have been. Um, and uh, and Joe Biden, his campaign just denied that that meeting had ever happened. And, and you know, to some media outlets, they said it point blank never happened. It's garbage. To other media outlets, they said, well, you know, it might have happened, but it's not on his official diary and he can't remember it. And it might have been something in passing. He meets a lot of people. Um, and it was only back in July of last year that um, I found in the laptop, I mean, it takes a long time to get through all the material, um, I pieced together Uh, from various emails and other uh, communications with Hunter and various people, that um, it wasn't just a meeting, it was a dinner at Cafe Milano in Georgetown, well-known Italian restaurant, um, in a private room there that Hunter had organised for business associates um, that he invited from uh, Ukraine, from Russia, from Kazakhstan, uh, to meet his father um, all at once, you know, a three-for-one deal. I think there were Mexicans there, so a four-for-one deal. Um, and uh, and Joe Biden sat down and had a meal with them. And it was only when the Washington Post fact-checker, Glenn Kessler, tried to fact-check my story and prove it wrong, um, that the White House actually responded 
to Glenn Kessler and said, oh, well, yes, uh, Joe Biden did go to that dinner, but he didn't stay for very long and it wasn't for any nefarious purpose. Um, but, of course, by that stage, it's too late. It's, um, you know, seven months, eight months after the election and uh, and the damage has been done. Um, your book goes into such detail um, about what you found, what these various communications are, what the financial arrangements are, um, which I want to get into a, a little bit of detail. But you also tell the story of Hunter Biden's life and his struggles, of course, his his personal demons related to sex addiction and drug addiction and how people keep having to bail him out and just... Uh, do you, what's your overall assessment of Hunter Biden, just himself? Do you have any sympathy for him, for what he's been through in his life? Like occasionally I find myself feeling a little bit sorry for him because he has gone through, suffered so many tragedies, but his own worst enemy is him and his father. But I mean, how are you, you, you talk, a, you bring a lot of personal anecdotes to your reporting. So what, how how did you manage that? Like, what what are your thoughts about him just personally? Yeah, I I, I felt sorry for him. Um, I still feel sorry for him. I think he uh, didn't have much of a start in life. His mother and baby sister were killed in a car crash um, when he was two. He and his uh, older brother Bo, who was a year and one day older, um, were quite badly injured uh, in the back seat. And um, his father had just um, won an election for the first time to um, become a senator for Delaware. And so he went off to Washington, D.C. shortly after this crash and left um, Hunter and, and his um, you know, brother, these motherless little boys, uh, to be brought up by their aunt, who by all accounts did a wonderful job. I mean, Hunter very much loves her Aunt Val, and she um, was devoted, like the entire Biden family, to Joe Biden. He was the, the son around which everybody else rotated, and she gave up her career. And I think her marriage failed, her first marriage failed, because um, she had gave up everything to go and move into Joe's house and look after his babies. And uh, Joe Biden profited, well, profited, maybe that's a, a, an a unfair word, but he certainly um, made the most of the, uh, the photograph, the sympathy, I guess, that he garnered from that tragedy, a very real tragedy. Uh, he always used in every campaign a photograph very poignant photograph of his being sworn in at the bedside of his injured little motherless boys. Um, and nobody could look at that photograph and fail to be moved and feel sympathy. Um, so that's the start of Hunter's life. And, um, you know, he, he appears he, in his own words to have been um, happy and felt well loved by his mother. I'm not sure he saw too much of his father because although Joe Biden said he uh, always came home, he commuted backwards and forwards to Wilmington, Delaware on Amtrak, um, uh, I, I'm told that, you know, obviously he came home quite late uh, and, you know, just kissed the little sleeping boys. So, um, and so, and then when Hunter was about seven or eight, um, Joe married Jill Biden, um, who did her best. She was a younger woman. Uh, and she did her best to, you know, to bring up these rambunctious little boys. And they were, I mean, boys at that age are sometimes hard to manage, particularly Hunter. Uh, I think Bo was a much easier boy. Uh, he was the golden child, literally. I mean, blonde haired, uh, always smiling. 
uh, Jill um, and Bo had a good relationship. He was much more easygoing and he always looked after his younger brother who was always in scrapes and um, a, a much more cloudy sort of um, gloomy sort of kid. Um, and uh, and Hunter adored his brother, but also, you know, there's there's an ambivalence and a resentment about being the sort of the kid brother, the loser brother, always trailing along behind uh, you know the the golden bow and Joe Biden had this. He himself had been the oldest son of the family, and um, and he was treated uh, put on a pedestal by everybody, and um, that that was the way he treated Beau, That Beau was the heir apparent, was going to be the um, you know the, the 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 sort of great Kennedy dynasty that um, that Joe aspired to. Beau was the great hope of that, and he was you know being groomed to be president. And and this was uh, the role that was assigned to Hunter was just as an adjunct to that he was he was uh, assigned to earn the money um, for Joe and Bo to have these you know clean careers uh, where Joe always boasted that he was the poorest man in Congress you know he was somehow honest Joe never took a dime well the person who was taking the millions of dollars for the family was Hunter. And uh, he complained bitterly about that, about the fact that he'd wanted to be an artist or an author, um, which, funnily enough, he now is both. But uh, but at the time, you know, he was just expected. Um, his father got him into Yale Law School. Um, he graduated from that and just did a series of grace and favour jobs at overinflated salaries, um, you know, on behalf, you know, uh, through uh, Joe's. Uh, corporate donors and uh, I guess he felt trapped and he complained about it, getting no respect from the family when he supported them all for 30 years and uh, and when I say the family that's the extended family that's cousins and aunts and uncles and um, brothers and uh, he paid the the tuition for his brother and himself um, he complains at one point that his father never paid a dime uh, and he also complains that he had to give his father half his salary so there's not evidence of exactly that on the laptop, but there is some evidence um, that, and I assume it's just the tip of the iceberg, uh, of Hunter paying bills for Joe. So, you know, upkeep and renovations on his um, one of his Delaware mansions, you know, replacing air conditioning on a cottage on the property and fixing a retaining wall and painting and so on. Um, so... And and also he was paying an AT&T phone bill every month. Um, that's certainly what, what the laptop, some evidence on the laptop shows. Um, and uh, so that was Hunter's lot. And during all of this, he uh, became a terrible crack addict. Uh, he was an alcoholic and he did try at times to stay on the wagon. I mean, he married a lovely woman, Kathleen, had three lovely girls and you know, people who knew him in Washington, D.C. at the time tell me um, that there was a period where he was sober and he seemed, you know, he was a nice guy and he seemed fine. Uh, but when when the money started flowing in, I think uh, that just was too much of a temptation for him and he became a crack addict and a raging crack addict and spent millions of dollars uh, on that and uh, and his life just fell apart. Um, the Biden administration and uh, the Biden campaign at the time have always pretended or claimed that they just really did not know what Hunter was up to 
under the Obama Biden administration. And then, um, you know, the stuff that started to come out during the campaign about the time during the Trump years that the things that Hunter was up to. Do you um, like to what extent do you think that Joe Biden knew about what Hunter was doing? I mean, is this just a way to deflect attention from Biden? Does he really not know what Hunter was doing? Or I mean, is that plausible based on all of the content that you've seen on the laptop? It's completely implausible. Eh? It's ridiculous. Um, there's so much evidence on the laptop, but also Tony Bobolinsky's own testimony and his um, own material that he's handed over to the FBI that Joe Biden met on multiple occasions with many of Hunter Biden's overseas business partners. Um, he met he met a, a Chinese business partner in Beijing in 2013 after he flew Hunter into China on Air Force Two. Um, you know, Joe Biden was there supposedly to meet with President Xi Jinping and the top officials of the Chinese Communist Party to do work on behalf of America to try and persuade the Chinese to stop militarizing those islands in the South China Sea and stop thieving America's intellectual property. Um, but he came away, Joe Biden came away empty handed. Hunter Biden came away with a 10% stake in a private equity fund uh, part owned by the Bank of China uh, that had $2.5 billion uh, in 2019 of funds under management. Um, and Joe Biden met with his business partner on that deal uh, when he was in Beijing, shook his hand. So uh, there were other business partners. I mean, Joe Biden met Mexicans and Kazakhstanis and Russians and Chinese and um, Ukrainians. Uh, he met them. He invited some of them to his own home at the vice presidential residence and the Naval Observatory. And he met them uh, at a dinner uh, that Hunter organised, at least one dinner, uh, perhaps two, that Hunter organised in Washington, D.C., in Georgetown at this Italian restaurant called Cafe Milano. And, uh, you know, Hunter organised this dinner in a private room. His father came and uh, he met, you know, the, all the these foreigners were on the guest list that Hunter was either making money from or was hoping to make money from. Um, you know, the Kazakhstanis had given him money. Um, the Russians uh, had given him money. Um, the um, the Ukrainians were giving him money. So um, this is just, just I, I don't know how it is sustainable for Joe Biden to continue to maintain this and for the White House you know, even in recent weeks, they've been asked, does Joe Biden stand by his statement that he knew nothing about Hunter's business dealings? And the White House says yes. Um, another question they were asked, do you stand by your statement during that last debate before the election against uh, Donald Trump, uh, in which Joe Biden said that Hunter never made any money from China? And the White House said, yes, we stand by that. I mean, that is unsustainable because as Chuck... Grasley and Ron Johnson, the two Republican senators, have shown in in their um, uh, investigation of, of corruption to do with Hunter Biden and Burisma in China, they've shown the money trail, these millions of dollars that flowed from China to Hunter Biden, um, $5 million, $1 million, there's another $6 million that went to a, a you know, close family Biden friend who was a you know, a business associate of Hunter's. 
Um, so millions of dollars to Hunter and his uncle Jim Biden from China. That's just irrefutable. What in all of your in-depth reporting, what did you find the most shocking, just flagrant, greedy business arrangement that Hunter, uh, that Hunter participated in? I think it was the last one, this um, CEFC, uh, Chinese Energy Company joint venture. And this was the one um, that Joe Biden was um, earmarked a 10% cut for the big guy. And Tony Bobulinski has verified that the big guy is Joe Biden. Um, and this was, um, CEFC wasn't just an energy company, it was the capitalist arm of China's Belt and Road Initiative, which is President Xi's baby. It is uh, his imperialist push to basically take uh, take over the world, you know, overtake America as the world's economic superpower um, to tie up developing countries in debt traps to buy up their infrastructure and their natural resources, their energy resources, um, their rare minerals. Um, and, uh, and, and this is a, you know, very deliberate campaign by China and CEFC was uh, the capitalist arm of that. And already it had gone in and bought up, you know, billions of dollars worth of infrastructure and even soccer teams in the Czech Republic. Um, and uh, Hunter Biden and Jim Biden and Joe Biden were all going to be involved with their other business partners, including Tony Bobulinski, in a joint venture with CEFC. And just before it all fell apart, um, there was, you know, for two years, the last two years of Joe Biden's vice presidency, um, they were doing work on behalf of CEFC, using the Biden name to open doors in, you know, Oman, in, um, in the Middle East, in uh, Africa, uh, in Luxembourg, uh, all over the world. And, um, and they were to be paid these millions of dollars after Joe was, uh, you know, finished his term as vice president. Um, and the very last deal that, um, that happened before CFC collapsed was um, that Russia and China, this was the biggest deal President Xi had done, an energy deal, uh, China was going to buy a big chunk of Rosneft, which was the Russian state-owned energy company. And so this was a, a meetings and a marriage between Vladimir Putin and President Xi Jinping. And um, and Hunter and, you know, he, this crackhead and un bumbling Uncle Jim were right in the centre of that. I mean, they knew when the meetings were happening. There was a meeting in a judo uh, conference somewhere in, in the world between Vladimir Putin and um, Director Zhang, who was the number two of uh, CEFC and, and a CCP official. Um, and, and, and this was going to just shake the tectonic plates of geopolitics because uh, this, this would have meant that Russia and China had joined forces in this enormous energy deal, which would have um, been contrary to America's national interest and, you know, having China and Russia aligned is now a, a problem that we're seeing over the Ukraine war. Well, back then in 2017, it was even more of a concern or just as much of a concern, sorry, and even more of a reality. And uh, and and that was only, um, only collapsed because one of uh, the CFC officials, one of Hunter Biden's partners, a guy called Patrick Ho, was arrested um, at 
JFK uh, and eventually um, convicted of bribing UN officials. Uh, and then he was um, deported after serving his jail term. But after he was arrested, uh, the, the boss of CFC, you know, Hunter Biden's business partner, who he was close to, who he met every time he came to New York um, and, you know, helped him buy his $50 million penthouse, um, he uh, disappeared in, in China, believed murdered, Hunter believes he's murdered, um, and the whole CFC collapsed, the Rosneft deal collapsed. China was uh, had to pay $200 million to Russia as compensation. And um, and suddenly uh, that the, the great money-making venture that the Bidens were hoping for, that, that Hunter had made nameplates for his father and himself and another Chinese um, partner in, in an office in Washington, D.C., the 10% for the big guy, um, that all fell apart. But uh, they did get paid. Um, about $13 million from CEFC um, for the work that they'd already done. Did you say $13 million? It's about 13 I would say. So, you know, there's $5 million that we've seen that's mm-hmm. come into the coffers. There's another $1 million that um, Hunter made from, um, like, he, 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 was, he was acting as a lawyer, supposedly. He was given a a million dollars to to provide legal services. Originally, it was to the boss of CFC, Chairman Yi, but when Patrick Ho was arrested, um, that million dollars went to him for trying to help Patrick Ho. He did no legal services, of course. That money, who knows what it was for, presumably for political influence to help Ho out of a a hole. Um, But uh, Hunter, all he seemed to have done was to connect Ho up with another lawyer. Um, so that was the one million, and then there was other money that came through to Hunter and his uncle Jim and, and Uncle Jim's wife in the form of a credit card. I think that was a hundred thousand dollars each. Then there was another six million dollars that went to um, uh, Rob Walker, who was an associate of theirs, to his bank account, um, and then and you know there was a diamond um, worth maybe eighty thousand dollars that Chairman Yi gave to Hunter. So I would say $12, $13 million that you can actually account for. Um, and, uh, and you know, it would have been a lot more if this joint venture had come off, but it didn't. And perhaps the reason it didn't was because the Trump administration had come in and the China hawks in that administration had sent out the word to, you know, I mean, the Southern District of New York, um, the Attorney General, then Jeff Sessions, had sent out a memo uh, to, to everybody, but including the Southern District, saying, um, you know, you have to now focus your attention on stopping these Chinese infiltrators. And uh, I'm not sure if that uh, was the reason that Patrick Ho was wrapped up, but maybe it was. I mean, uh, he was wrapped up fairly soon after that, so they must have been investigating him. Um, but I'm sure that if the if the if Donald Trump had not won that election, that deal would have gone through. So this is the first mention kind of in in Hunter's career of him getting some scrutiny from law enforcement or um, the Justice Department, because it certainly seems like these business dealings that he's making with foreign countries are a murky gray area, if not illegal. So where does that stand now? 
I mean, we've heard that I've heard, I think, didn't wasn't the, the Delaware FBI have his laptop or have a copy of his laptop? Like, what is the status of any investigation concerning the content, the stuff on that laptop that may be illegal? Well, I think the status of the um, U.S. attorney in Delaware's investigation is something that would be giving Hunter sleepless nights. Um, they're investigating him for tax evasion, um, you know, alleged tax evasion, money laundering and uh, violation of the Foreign Lobbying Act. And um, I, I understand that witnesses have been asked uh, in, before the grand jury there um, who is the big guy? Now, Tony Bobulinski, as I said, has told us that the big guy is Joe Biden. So that means that the investigators have been pulling on the threads of Hunter's business dealings overseas. And at the end of those threads, they're finding Joe Biden. Um, so I would imagine that that would be quite concerning to the Biden family. Uh, and we know also Jim Biden is uh, being investigated in a separate investigation. Um, so you know, I, I think that there's enough evidence that we've seen or the glimmers of evidence that if you have subpoena power, you would find a lot of financial, uh, a big financial trail going from, you know, there are 150 suspicious activity reports, for instance, that banks are required to file with the Treasury Department when there's money coming into American uh, bank accounts that they, that might be suspect, might be coming from a criminal source or a sanctioned source, uh, you know, countries like China or Russia, um, and uh, there are 150 of those uh, reports made to do with, um, you know, Hunter Biden and his Uncle Jim. So um, that was something that Chuck Grasley and Ron Johnson found. So I, I think this is a long way to go, and uh, it's it, it, you can tell the Democrats are concerned about it, um, and I think this is why uh, in recent weeks we've seen that those very same media, Democrat-leaning left-wing media, New York Times, The Washington Post, CNN, NBC, CBS, have all come to the party, having ignored the story, pretended it was Russian disinformation for 18 months. Um, they've now admitted uh, the laptop is real, the stories, are, the emails are all, and documents are authenticated, that they've looked at, they've run stories on it. Um, but their narrative is now changed to say, yes, well, maybe there's something there about Hunter Biden, maybe even there is about Jim Biden, but this has absolutely nothing to do with Joe Biden. So that's their new story. They're trying to ring fence Joe Biden off from uh, any fallout from this Delaware investigation. There must be something worse coming out for them to admit, like they yeah. have to give, you know what I mean? Like they don't just do this because they're like, hey, we did do an investigation and it is, it is yeah. real. They're doing it. They're doing it because something worse is going to come out. So they need to say, oh, well, we already covered it. Or no, we did admit that. So Yeah, um, anyway, and they're shaping the narrative and what yes, Ron Johnson exactly. calls a limited, what is it, a limited something hangout? Like limited it's hangout, a, limited hangout. Yeah, that's right, yeah. like like Nixon times. You just put out exactly. a little bit of information so that, uh, you know, you can, you can close off the story and leave the really important information hidden. I think my favourite rebuttal to those who want to bury the story is that Hunter Biden is not in the government, that Hunter Biden doesn't work for the White House. Like, that's always the reply. I see it, Miranda, when in your reporting and certainly when Jen Psaki or anyone is, is on a rare occasion asked about this. 
Um, it's sort of funny, especially in light of how they just went after Trump's kids for imaginary Russian collusion. Um, do, were you, what did you think when the chief of the cyber unit for the FBI said repeatedly that he did not know where the laptop was? Yes, wasn't that interesting questioning of him? I think it was Matt Gates. Yeah. Um, he, he, you know, it was extraordinary. He, he looked as if this was the most distasteful topic that he could ever imagine. And, you know, it's horrifying that um, it, here is the head of the cyber division who has no knowledge of the laptop. Have they lost the laptop? Have they hidden it away? Have they given it to the Delaware uh, grand jury? We don't know. We do know that Tony Bobolinsky had a six-hour interview with the FBI, and I believe that that is being accessed by the grand jury. And uh, I'm assu- I mean, Tony Bobolinsky, I don't believe, has appeared yet, but he ought to appear before the grand jury. Um, and so, you know, if you have Tony Bobolinsky's material, you have, you know, a lot of the important stuff from the laptop. But it's just extraordinary, whether it's incompetence or deliberate on the part of the FBI, um, they should be ashamed of themselves. What about some of the rumors of photographs and other material that's on the laptop? So I'm assuming you're talking about the um, allegations that there is child porn on the laptop um, and evidence that Hunter Biden was somehow interested sexually in children. Um, I found zero evidence of that. And, uh, you know, I don't know why this story is so pervasive. And, um, you know, I, I think partly it's because there were some Chinese websites early on that actually put up photoshopped um, photographs of Hunter Biden with the child. And they just weren't true. And other photographs which legitimately were on the laptop were depicted as being Hunter Biden with an underage woman. Um, and that wasn't true because when you looked at the other photos in that series, the woman was quite obviously an adult. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, Hunter Biden's appetites, let's say, sexual appetites are very evident on the laptop. I mean, there's just reams of, uh, you know, porn. Of his, he filmed himself having sex with a multitude of women, including his sister-in-law. Um, he uploaded those videos to Pornhub. Um, so, I mean, all of the women you can see him uh, indulging with um, are adult women. That seems to be his taste. I mean, he doesn't seem to have really unorthodox sexual taste, let's put it that way. Um, so I don't really know where this is coming from, apart from that initial Chinese disinformation perhaps done to discredit the laptop. Um, and, you know, other my, my other colleagues, uh, I mean, Emma Jo Morris, who wrote those brilliant first stories, um, she uh, she also um, has not seen any, uh, you know, child porn or anything on the laptop. Uh, and also Bob Costello, who, um, you know, ha- had the laptop from the end of August until he gave it to us in October, um, the beginning of October, he, um, he also has not seen any evidence of it. Um, There was one photograph of um, a a young girl. It was part of um, a whole lot of photographs that were, uh, you know, sort of uploaded on the cloud onto from from sort of a family sharing, uh, let's say, um, 
um, in a family sharing cloud, right? And there was a photograph and some of those photographs appeared to be from a, a children's phones. You know, it was their friends at school and all this stuff. And in one of those photos in the background, very blurry, you can see it's taken in a bathroom, looks like a school bathroom, young girls like age sort of 13, say 14, 12. Um, they're putting makeup on, getting dressed, and you can see just a tiny hint of one of the breasts of one of the girls uh, in the background. Now, to me, it doesn't look like this was taken for any titillating purposes. It's um, very obscure. Um, I, I guess, I mean, Rudy Giuliani and, and Bernie Kerrick um, thought that that could get them into trouble if they were uh, if someone malicious was going to say that there was porn on the laptop. So they took that uh, that hard drive with that photograph and they took it to the Delaware police and handed it over and reported it as um, as a reportable offence. So that also, I guess, leads people to think that maybe there's more, more on the laptop that isn't. But I, I really went through it quite carefully and asked people who'd been saying, making these allegations what they meant and where was this material. And I just found nothing incriminating. But unfortunately, that's a narrative that just keeps on keeping on, and I think some people have a vested interest in perpetrating it. But my thing is I think we just need to keep to the facts of what's there for credibility's sake and also just for basic human fairness because pedophilia is such a vile crime that any other wrongdoing on the laptop just pales into insignificance. And, you know, Hunter Biden has done a lot of bad things, but I don't think that's one of them. Yeah, I think it's easier to dismiss, actually, as well, as to say, oh, you know, they're saying he's a pedophile. And instead of saying, well, he's making business deals with, you know, enemies of um, the United States yeah. and profiteering off of his father's uh, political position, uh, that's a different, more much more serious, or a tax evader. That's a different, entirely different narrative. So I do think there's there's a benefit to propping, like sensationalizing these claims against him, so they can just be dismissed and say, oh, those QAnon people, they think everyone's a pedophile. Let's move yes, along. Exactly. Um, you know, it's like lather, rinse, repeat, right? They, it's the same thing over and over again. So yeah. at, at at this point in time. How many of Hunter's business associates are have been indicted or are in jail? I, I think I remember seeing some of them are were in jail or um, what's the status of that? Or dead or disappeared. Or dead, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it seems like almost everybody that had anything to do with Hunter Biden ended up, you know, in hot water. He's the only one that emerged unscathed. It's like he had a guardian angel over him, but I think his luck may be running out. Um, but uh, so, I mean, I mean, his best, the, the guy he called his best friend in business, Devin Archer, um, was convicted over this um, uh, sort of bond fraud, Native Indian bond fraud. Uh, and he's uh, now has an appeal. Um, and, you know, it, it's, there was a judge that actually um, let him off the hook and exonerated him and said a dozen times uh, that that he was innocent. And then her then the conviction was reinstated and then he was sentenced to a year in jail, one year, one day, and uh, $15 million of forfeiture. And now he has an appeal on that. So we don't know where that will go. But it is interesting to note that the company 
through which this scam was perpetrated, Burnham, uh, Hunter Biden was vice chairman of that company. Um, so, I mean, his lawyer and the the, um, the investigators say that he had nothing to do with it. Um, so that's the case. So again, um, that's a situation where Hunter's blame, you know, blameless. Um, and uh, and then, uh, you know, his Chinese business partners have all met a sticky end. Uh, many of them, I mean, it wasn't just Chairman Yi who disappeared. There was another guy called Super Chairman Chi who used to invite him to his private clubs. Um, one, I think one was in Hong Kong where, or it might have been Shanghai, where um, it's, you know, high up atop this building with fabulous views and they're plied with alcohol and beautiful women and, um, and also delicacies like this congealed dove saliva, which is apparently a very expensive, rare delicacy. What? <laughs> that sounds horrible, but, um, yeah, no, apparently it was disgusting. But, you know, so he, he was um, he was having a high old time there. But, che, but Super Chairman Chi also, or Che also disappeared. He was hooked in with the Chinese intelligence. So um, and then uh, others of his business partners have sort of gone broke or just had their reputations um, sullied by the association. Um, you know, they're, they're being, I presume, I know some of them have been called to appear before the grand jury. Um, and or, and if they haven't so far, they will be probably. Um, so, you know, their lives have been pretty, pretty badly tainted by their association with the Biden. Well, Miranda, we know you've got to run and we are so grateful for your time today. Um, we're on to bigger and better interviews than our podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> so nice Wait to talk minute. to you. <laughs> we did it, Julie. Miranda, thank you so much for your time. I'm so happy for the success of your book. It is still burning up the charts. And uh, I know it's, you know, a hot seller on Amazon and other places and no one deserves it more than you do. So thank you so much for all your hard work and for talking with us today. And we hope we can um, circle back with you soon. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week.